Hey, what's up, YouTube? Spotify, Substack, all my community out there. What's up? Just wanted to give you a big shout out. Thanks, shout out for following me through this journey. It's been quite the ride. <laughs> been quite the ride. But yeah, just wanted to thank all y'all out there who had my back the whole way. Actually, though, it does kind of feel like. Yeah, it's vulnerable. Like, it's interesting that I feel the need or I feel the pulling to use a sarcastic voice when I say things like that. I think it's like a, it's a way to protect myself, like from being full, just like, in, it's hard to just fully own something, uh, to just fully like, yep, this is what I'm doing. This is me. This is who I am. Boom. It's hard to fully own that, to, to reveal all of ourselves. And I think I hide behind some sarcastic voices sometimes uh, instead of just saying what I actually mean, which is just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it does feel like a little bit of a journey uh, in like opening. Just It just feels vulnerable and like, okay, I'm going to like try this. And right now, the price seems to be, at least the potential price, seems to be, I'm afraid of judgment from other people. I'm afraid of, like, ultimately, me saying, this is me, this is what I have, and people being like, eh. <laughs> next, which, whatever. <laughs> but as soon as I say it, I can breathe through it, and like, ah, oh, that's fucking funny. Uh... But it is like, I just feel that irk to belong. And some of the things I'm saying, I think could be perceived as a little wacky or out on the outside of culture. Like, whoa, what's happening to Lucas? And man, Ned, I tell you what, have you heard about Louie and Mel's kid these days? Yeah, he's gone off his rocker off the deep end over there on this here I am blog or whatever it is talking about jumping around like a monkey getting back to the primal i tell you what he's almost lost it he used to be a straight a student back at hellgate high captain of the soccer team now oh my goodness he's lost it but yeah that is a little bit of what i'm afraid of uh it's interesting i very much was on the traditional path i just like in high school and everything very much just the firstborn son and making the parents proud and getting good grades and playing sports and involved and active and uh yeah I was very much on the path same into college too like went to college and I worked so hard I chose to study chemistry not because I even like chemistry I don't actually even really like chemistry I'm a lot more fascinated by biology genetics evolution geology and even like physics, astrophysics stuff. Uh, so it's funny that I studied chemistry because not that into it, but yeah, I chose to study chemistry mainly because it looked different on a resume. Uh, I wanted to go to med school and then kind of pivoted towards wanting to go to PA school, but I chose it because it looked a little different. It was maybe a little harder and I was good at it. Uh, but yeah, very much on that traditional path graduated college uh I was like yeah I'm gonna go to PA school uh and I didn't really know 
what the job of a PA was like. Uh, like, yeah, I want to go to PA school, I think, mainly because I knew that they made pretty good money. Uh, and PAs, uh, the job itself, at least in the United States, has some prestige to it. It has some status. Uh, and I think that was the main reason. Uh, and it had some good, cool lifestyle stuff to, P to PA school, which always mattered to me. But basically, yeah, I started working for a couple years uh, as a PA, or sorry, as an, a medical assistant, uh, kind of assisting a PA and some doctors. And whatever, I liked it, it was fine, uh, but certainly didn't speak to me, certainly didn't, I didn't resonate with it, I wasn't even great at it because I didn't care that much because I was never that interested in it, but I was almost just blind and just kind of doo -doo -doo going down the path because, I don't know, it's how I make money and it's what we do and it's what Louie and Mel's kid is supposed to do. But that whole time I was living uh, with my good friends at 601, that growth community that I talked about uh in one of the previous episodes and uh check out the link go back like comment subscribe on my last episode check it out thanks for sharing uh <laughs> but i was living in that growth community and that i was surrounded by people who were living a little bit more intentionally and specifically sam shorts they were both teachers already and they were coaches and they convinced me to coach with them and through coaching really i coached under sam he framed it as we were co-coaches uh like we were both co-coaches but really i was learning under sam he was yeah, just an incredible teacher and coach. And that's what's kind of sent me down this direction of the journey that I went on. Uh, just getting to see Sam interact with the kids and getting to see how much influence he had and we had on those kids and then being surrounded by it back at the house uh, with Shorty and coaching with Shorty and then seeing their lifestyle as a teacher where they had summers off and they love what they do and just in general the teacher lifestyle they kind of opened my eyes up to this like oh wait wait I don't have to go to PA school I don't have to do that uh which is like duh no of course you don't have to but I feel like uh a lot of students like I certainly felt this and I see it in a lot of the kids who I've coached in the past uh they go to college and you're forced at such a young age to choose your major uh it's like pff, I don't know what I want to do at age 18 or 19 making that decision seems asinine right now like and let's be honest do we ever really know what we want to do for our whole life <laughs> like the idea of choosing a career is so daunting uh, and not in alignment with human. Uh, doing anything for 30 plus years is out of balance and unnatural. So duh, it's daunting to choose your major at 18 or 19 and commit to this career. But anyways, I felt that and I felt the pressure to go to PA school because it had the prestige and shout out to 601 for kind of opening my eyes to something different. Which was funny because I remember vividly sitting in Mr. Hayes' math math class, junior year of high school at Hellgate High, thinking to myself, damn, I would like to be a teacher. I think I would like teaching. And I like had this image, I painted this image in my head of being the like 
science or math uh, teacher of like the AP, the AP science math teacher at the high school and coaching the varsity boys soccer team. That was like, I remember thinking that in Mr. Hayes class, I have this like flashback image of that. Uh, I always have liked kids and just like helping, I guess, and teaching. Uh, and yeah, I remember thinking that, but I never actually opened my mind up to it because I always shut it down right away because teachers didn't have a prestigious job. Teachers weren't looked up upon and didn't make enough money. And that in itself steered me away to not even being open to it. But fast forward four, five, six years, don't know how long it's been. And here I am uh, teaching. I'm a teacher and digging it, uh, although fighting certainly some forces that are making it more difficult than maybe it needs to be to have an effect on these children's lives. Uh, but yeah, one of the things I feel like I run my head into uh, in the education world, one of the things, one of the barriers to affecting positive change in these humans' lives and one of the things that I think causes a lot of teacher burnout is the fact that from the get-go, we have things backwards. And what I mean by, the, what I mean by that is this. Um, all humans, every single human loves to learn. That's a fact. Like, and, and what I mean by learning is just... When you, for yourself, figure out how to do something in your life that helps you in your life, it feels good. We are neurochemically rewarded from that activity. We are rewarded for that via release of neurochemicals like dopamine and others that then trickle down and they feel good in our body and you feel accomplished and you're like, oh yeah, I did something today. Oh, it feels good. Like my car broke down and the piston in the engine was fire was misfiring and I went onto YouTube and I fixed my car and I learned about an engine and oh, or like, oh, I have a hole in my roof and the sheetrock, uh, <laughs> the sheetrock crumbled and I went on YouTube and I figured out how to nail together a 90 degree angle of two by fours and fix my roof. <laughs> it's funny that I'm using analogies on cars and construction, given that I know zero about cars and construction. But anyways, you get what I'm saying in that learning intrinsically is rewarding every human loves it and that's been evolutionarily programmed into us if you don't love to learn <laughs> you're gonna die at least 200,000 years ago uh when we were living in tribes if you couldn't adapt and learn and grow uh you're getting left behind and that is still true for all of us today we all love to learn the issue is that in school we have beat that we, we, we have beat that out of our students. We have not framed education in a way that is in alignment with how humans naturally learn. And I get why we haven't, because we're trying to educate everyone, millions and millions of students, and it's this big industrial complex oriented thing where we're trying to mass educate and not leave any students left behind. And so that's a huge issue. So I don't necessarily have uh, solutions for that. I guess I do. 
not solutions, but I have ideas towards it. Uh, but basically from the get go, we have framed education in a way that is not in alignment with how we learn instead of cultivating curiosity and letting kids come to the conclusion that like, Oh, okay. I'm running into an obstacle. And for me, it will be worth it to overcome this obstacle because I see that it will help me in my life. That's natural learning. We have said, hey, you're going to see obstacles in the future of your life uh, when you're 30, when you're 40, with, my, with all these things. And we're going to prepare you in advance. And because of that, now we are going to learn about the organelles of a cell. Okay? So right now, you're going to write down and you're going to... You know, I'm exaggerating a little bit and school has gotten better. School is better since when I was in high school. It's less lecture based. It's more hands on now. It's more teachers framing themselves as learning with the students, not as this hierarchical, you must respect me type teacher that I used to have quite a bit. It has gotten better, especially at the school I'm at. But still, we do not have enrollment from our students in the learning process. Uh, the students feel like they are forced to be there, which literally by law, they are forced to be there. And they feel that. They're like, we have to be here. And we're being forced to learn about things I don't really care about, at least right now, at a time that I don't want to learn about it in a manner that, I don't know, doesn't always speak to me. And from there unfold all the issues that we see and that we correct for in the education system. Uh, because students aren't choosing for themselves implicitly like, yes, I want to learn about this. Uh, then unfolds all the behavior issues we see, unfolds all the, <laughs> all the crazy gimmicks and tricks and things that us teachers do to try to convince students that they want to learn, that it's worth learning, uh, to cheerlead them along, to coax them along the way. And that part is really draining for me, dealing with the behaviors, trying to convince kids like, hey, come on this journey with me, this learning journey, because it's worth it. Uh, but what we haven't done before that and why they're not coming on this learning journey is that we haven't provided the space for them to intrinsically decide that they want to choose to enroll to go on the learning journey. We haven't framed education in a way that uh, is intrinsic and natural to our hardwiring, to our DNA, to our genetics, uh, to our physiology. So I really feel like that is the root of the issue. And from there, there's all other branches off of different types of issues. Uh, and there stems, like I was talking about, all the different things that us teachers, all the different hoops that we go through, you know, then, okay, so because students aren't enrolled in the learning journey, uh, then we need to be held accountable to state standards so that we make sure that every kid isn't slipping through the cracks, which in idea or, or in theory is a good idea, but... Uh, and, you know, and then things like differentiation, things like testing, things like grades, all these things we do, things like detention, things like suspension, things like classroom rules, things like the dozens of meetings a month that teachers are forced to go to after work hours to try to problem solve these issues that to the root to the root are caused by a lack of enrollment from our students 
okay, so what do we do about that? Given the reality of the situation, what do we do about that? Given the huge bureaucratic beast that is the education system, what do we do about that? And the answer is, I have no idea. Uh, or I guess I have ideas, but not necessarily solutions. Uh, one thing that seems really cool is project-based learning is like project-based learning is basically where you give an environment for the students to explore their curiosities and depending on what intrinsically comes alive for them and what they are curious about you then let them follow it follow that natural curiousness that we're all ingrained with at least from a young at a young age and then go and you help kind of guide and facilitate and steer and nudge them on this learning journey. And maybe they love dogs and puppies and they're just so curious about puppies. And so then you let them, okay, well, you're going to build a kennel for your dog. And they learn about geometry through the process of building this kennel for their dog. Or maybe someone is really stressed about the climate and a kid is really stressed and they're like, I don't know what to do. I feel like the world is, which is the case for a lot of my students. Their anxiety is so high. They're like existential anxiety about nuclear war and climate change is so high because duh, the media they're consuming is fear mongering. Uh, and maybe, maybe in a valid way, who knows, but for them, those who are maybe social justice oriented, okay, well now maybe you can start a podcast <coughs> or you can, with your climate activism, start, you could make a flyer and tell 10 people about the climate, whatever. You let them follow their curiosity and then you tie it back to the things, maybe to the state standards in a way that is natural and authentic and intrinsic to the way that we learn. Uh, the issue is that that's really hard. That is like to do that with 25 kids in a room, uh, as I've been experimenting with is super difficult, uh, but worth it. And if the whole school culture is aligned in that direction, like the school that I student taught at, which was a full project-based learning school, you see actually like, okay, this can be done. Uh, and it's more in alignment with how we learn. I like the analogy of, yeah, Seth Godin says this, but okay, <clears throat> there's a kid. What is the best way to facilitate a kid loving the sport of baseball, right? There's two options. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to get a kid to love baseball by saying, okay, before you can play, you need to actually memorize all of the players from the 1975 season and their statistics. And I'd like you to recite and give me a report on the history of baseball by next Tuesday. Uh, and after that, then we'll have a test on that. And once you've passed the test, then we can start to play baseball. No, no kid is gonna love or want to play baseball if that's the way things are set up. You teach a kid to love to play baseball by <sighs> letting them go play baseball, fail, mess up, strike out, do it again. But you, meet them where they're at you let them fail and introduce them to the real thing and spark their curiosity and let them follow the bobs and weaves that the path of 
learning will take you on. And that, to summarize, I feel like is the issue with the current education system. Uh, one more just kind of idealistic idea is like moving towards an outdoor focused education. I get to take students, or I did uh, pre-COVID, on a five-day camping trip down to Moab. And what we learned on that camping trip was probably more <laughs> than what those students learned in the rest of the year. They learned about themselves. They learned about risk-taking. They learned about communicating in times that it matters. They learned about being in the presence of one another, sharing meals with one another, uh, seeing the humanity in one another. And I feel like with where our society is going, with the unknown, with how the job force is changing, we need to take a hard look at what we want to teach in our education system. And gone are the times of rote memorization and the transmission of knowledge. We have that at the click of a button on those things that we're all carrying around in our pocket. Uh, no longer is the issue access to information. Now, the issue is discerning the information. What do you do with it? How do you be in a relationship? How do you relate to humans? How do other people feel when you are in their presence? Uh, these more soft skills, as the education world calls them, those are what we need to move towards and we need to start thinking about a better way to teach that. Not because we have to, but because we can.